What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is Monday, July 15th, 2013. You guys are listening to episode 118. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be one of, um, I guess, the most meaningful podcasts to me. So I don't know <laughs> what that's going to mean to you, but hopefully that translates into something cool uh, and it will totally explain why I am doing this a couple of days late. I know we're supposed to do them on Friday into Saturday, but it's kind of been a routine now, me getting them out on Sunday. So I think what I'm going to do from now on is just make sure that they are on by Sunday before you get to work on, on Monday so you have them there. Um, hopefully you'll get them early Sunday. So if you want to listen a Sunday night, you know, they will be available. I try to, you know, get them done uh, earlier in the weekend, but I, I would like to have them on there for you by Sunday. Um, a little late today, so much going on. Just got back from New England. Uh, unbelievable weekend of shows. I'm going to get into that. I got a movie review for you guys. I got an unacceptable for the week. I have a really great announcement, uh, something that I'm very proud of and that worked. I worked very hard for. Uh, just a lot of a lot of stuff, man. Uh, I'm gonna talk about what's going on in the news, and um, you know, just go from there. First, uh, first and always, I would like to plug my amazing sponsor. The Verzi Effect Podcast Show is sponsored by Butterfly Radio. Download the free app on your iPhone. Today, Butterfly Radio allows you to send up to a five-minute audio message to your favorite podcast, and you could get a personal message back. Uh, they also have options now on there. It's totally improved. Uh, they have options on there where you could listen to your favorite podcasts. Um, you know, it's great. You can listen. To your, just go listen to your favorite moments of a podcast right there. Uh, listen to a whole episode. You download the app for free. It's, it's absolutely great if you love podcasts and you love comedy podcasts. I mean, it's it's an absolute no-brainer if you have an iPhone. So download Butterfly Radio today. Also, you can register at ButterflyRadio.com to start your own podcast. Um, and I have a cool announcement. We're going to be doing a contest um, starting next week. I'm, I'm going to get into that too. Uh, I will get into that when um, when I do Unacceptable for the week. So that being said... Um, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I, um, I got a call from Bill Burr actually earlier and, uh, you know, uh, as you guys know, Bill's out West, I'm out East, so I really don't get to open for him that much. We did the tour, so this was like a year where we got to work together a lot, but he was on the East Coast and he called me up and he said, hey, Verzi, I don't know what your weekend is like, but I realize I'm in the New England area and um, I'd love to have you, you know, do something. So I was only booked. Um, I was booked in Manhattan for a couple of shows on Saturday. I talked to my management. We moved some stuff so I could, you know, work with Bill. We were working the the um, the Melody Tent in Cape Cod, which seats 2,300, and it's in the round. That was on Friday. Then on Saturday, we did the uh, Casino Ballroom in New Hampshire, which seats almost 2,000. And then last night we were in Newport, Rhode Island, which see, uh, I think it was like 1920-something. And that was under like this tent with all chairs, 2,000 people, right by where the yachts pull in and all these seafood places right on the water in um, Newport, Rhode Island, which was uh, amazing. So uh, I'll, get, I'll get into that right now. Um, really cool, but it was a brutal 
brutal drive and it was funny because Burr calls me up and goes dude if you're coming out to Cape Cod you know and he kind of like casually just said (laughs) casually just said "Uh, yeah you might want to leave a little early it could be a nightmare and I was like yeah whatever I leave New York at like 2.30 on Friday to get to an 8 o'clock show I got to the gig okay and I'm opening I got to the gig, which started at 8 o'clock. I I pulled in at 7.47, and I left at 2.30. Every fucking 10 miles, there was a merge. There was was construct. It was just a nightmare. So I get there after being in the car, see Bill, see the the booker, promoters, everything like that. This tent's got over 2,000 people in the round. There's just a circular stage in the middle, very similar to... um, Westbury, when I opened for him, the theater at Westbury, it's just intense, you just stand in the middle, like 2,000 people right on your back, and they did something different this time, they said that what they wanted to do was, they wanted to do me do 20 minutes up front, and then they take a 20 minute intermission, so everybody could go get beers and booze, and the place could make their money, and then come back, and then I go back and do another 5 minute set. And I was like, what? So I go up there and had a great time. Uh, You know, I talked about coming from New York and everybody booed me. And I said, yeah, well, you know, at least our tight ends don't kill people. And like the place erupted and I did that right out of the gate. And then I just went into material and had a blast. So I have a great time. You know, just it was weird though, cause like I, ha- I haven't been in a round in so long, and I had to remember how to, you know, get my, you know, I had to remember how to get my like, you know, just my bearings of like where my where you are because your turn your back is to hundreds of people all the time, so and you don't want them to go, oh, is he spinning around or you know, so I kind of figured that out after a couple of minutes, and it was really, really intense, because this, I felt like they were even closer on this, there's actually a picture on my Twitter that you could see of me and Bill, when it's kind of empty, and you could see the seats, and, you know, just see what it's like, you could also go to the Westbury, Theater at Westbury, um, website, the one in Long Island, and look at it when it's empty and full, and that's basically what it is, you just walk down into this circle, it's pretty nuts, so I do 20 minutes, have a great time, the crowd was amazing, and then I waited, and uh, 20 minutes later, I go back up, and by now, I know they want to see Bill, and um, I'm not going to lie, man, I had another, like, amazing, I had an amazing five-minute set after that, it was great, I was able to bring some other stuff in, and it was just amazing, man, to just, you know, rock those 2,000 people, and then Burr goes on stage, and you know, he was just having, like, it was so, so cool to watch a master like that work because sometimes what Bill does is he'll bring them up, then he'll tell a story, and he just knows he's got them where he wants them. And I swear to God, um, I told him this, we talked afterwards, it was the greatest closing to a show I've ever seen where, like, a comedian just has, has starts killing and then he kind of just brings it to, you know, brings it down to, to just his talking level after killing and then they're there and then just watching him like a fucking maestro just close it out with the with just oh my god i mean his ending he just kicked the shit out of him the last five minutes of the show it was amazing to watch it gave me the chills it was just awesome and um and then we went out afterwards and um we (laughs) we 
we just uh i really can't get into it we we bumped into somebody that was really really drunk and like to the point where like so sloppy drunk and just like almost like in a movie or a tv like you ever see somebody that just like head down argumentative drunk pick his head up start arguing then put his head down and like pass out and then pick his head back up real quick and start arguing just a stain on his shirt just a fucking mess and uh, we were laughing about that afterwards but we got a couple of uh just a couple of drinks and 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 just enjoyed that and then the next night we go to um new hampshire and we do the casino ballroom and this wasn't circular this was just a big like like long rectangle wooden rectangle you know with the stage in the middle and a bunch of people to the right a bunch of people to the left didn't go that deep and it held about 2000 but that was awesome and um somebody else had came out to host that so i i middled it and um you know great time and and you know it was is weird because it was on the boardwalk and just shitty looking people i'm not gonna lie like it looked like wildwood like it like there was just flip-flops and fucking white trash walking around it was really fucked up the nice thing was they weren't all the, like that's what the boardwalk was but you know people to come and see bill they drive in so and it was nice because I think, you know, people hearing my name and knowing, um, you know, that, that, you know, hearing me on, on podcasts and, you know, knowing me just, you know, before getting, you know, a ton of exposure. So it was nice when, um, I got announced people I could hear in the crowd, people were like, like, yes, I want to see him. Like, it was really cool to have people that were like anticipating and not knowing, which opener for Bill, because Bill uses about four different openers, and when I'm not doing my own thing, yeah, and I'm on the East Coast, sometimes it's me, but sometimes it's not, so they kind of figure out who's it going to be, and it was really cool to feel that the crowd was was, was into it being me, and, and had a great time. Now, um, there was a question on Butterfly, which is a perfect question for this, um, and I'm going to get to it, but I just want to finish up by talking about um, then the Newport show, and the Newport show... Um, like I said, under this tent and you know, there's, it's outside basically. So the sun's going down as I'm closing out my set and bringing Bill up and you see the yachts pulling in like while you're on stage and the sun's going down really cool. But it was one of the hottest experiences I've ever been a part of. And I was wearing a button, a short sleeve button down, and it was like red, really light red, so it was almost like a pinkish, and I didn't have an undershirt under it, so, and I'm not like big on, I'm not a big sweater, you know, I don't sweat a lot, and never did, I like, you know what I mean, I have to be really like, you know, some people like a little bit of heat, and they're like, look like they fucking dunked their head in the water, I'm not like that, but it was so hot in there to the point people actually were complaining and like throwing their tickets back and like getting upset, that's how hot it was, I'm not kidding. And like I started like 15 minutes in, I start feeling my back sticking, like my shirt sticking to my back and I'm getting like spots on the front of my shirt and I started to get self-conscious and I'm having a great set. And then I just was like, you know what, just just do it, forget, forget it. And the funny thing, the funniest thing was uh, the lamps were so hot, the lights, and I look up. And Bill went long. He might have did like an hour and 20. And I'm not kidding. His shirt was, I'm not, this is not an exaggeration. He was, his shirt was so soaking wet when he was on stage. It looked like he'd literally jumped in a pool and came out. I'm not even exaggerating. He said, he goes, after a while, he didn't care. He kind of felt like it was cool. Like he was working out. Like he just went with it. That's how like insanely, 
They said when Joan Rivers did the thing, like her clothes and dresses, they just had to wrap them up in like balls and throw them in the luggage, like just throw them in bags because they were like soaking wet. So apparently it's like the hottest gig ever. And I never experienced anything like that, which was pretty different. And, you know, it was weird, but I'm just like, you know what, from now on, it's got to be an undershirt no matter what, because it was um, really intensely hot. Then we went out afterwards, had some seafood and and finished off an an amazing week and getting in front of like almost six... um, 6,000 people and um, insane doing some new jokes and just um, fine-tuning old jokes and just you know feeling really really just having a great time on stage and you know the crowd was really cool the one thing I liked about the New England crowd was I knew like you know I planned on getting booed when I said that I was from New York and then I I went with it the whole the, the all three shows yeah I came from New York is there anybody here from New York and there would be like 5% of people would clap and say, yeah. And then like 2,000 people start booing. And then I would just say, you know, and I said the, the tight end joke. And I'd be like, fuck you, you know. And and they loved it. And the crowd was so cool that um, I was like 17 minutes into my set on um, Sunday night, last night in, in Newport, Rhode Island. And um, I'm on stage and I'm, I'm feeling great. And I'm, you know, I got every, everybody settled in their seats and they're all paying attention. And, and I could see in the tent, like I could just look and there's, there's a lot, it's not dark on them. So you could look out and see all these faces. And I was looking out like 30 rows and seeing people genuinely into what I'm saying and smiling and laughing. And, you know, people in the front, I had people like watching people crying of laughter and putting their head down. You just look around and you see it. And I was just so in the moment. And I'm like 17 minutes in and I probably did it like 20, a little over 20. So I had like two bits left and there was one chick and she just, she, nobody heckled really much, pretty much the whole time. And then I go into this joke and she goes, that's, she I was talking about how man, um, I said like a man will never be more nervous then basically my, my I, I do a joke about how bad my proposal was and I say like I was nervous and people are like oh well, you're a comedian why are you nervous and I said yeah I am a comedian and we do get in front of thousands of people but a man will never be more nervous than when he sits across from that woman and has to ask that question and and a girl goes that's not true that's not true and I kind of ignore because that's not true and I just stopped and I go then he didn't love you bitch and the place went nuts I go all right then he didn't love you so sit there, listen to me, shut the fuck up, okay, and let me do my job like the goddamn professional that I am. And the plate, I'm not even kidding around, it was one of the loud, like, I don't know what got into me, I just destroyed her quickly, efficiently, professionally, and it was great. And um, and I do the joke, and the joke killed, and then I did a joke after that, my closer, and it was so cool because I get off stage and it was the first time that I, you know, w- opened, you know, opened, cold open for somebody basically. I mean, a guy did announcements at the beginning, but it was the first time that I got like a partial standing ovation. And it was so cool. And Burr was listening and, you know, hearing from a master like that saying that you're murdering and shit like that's amazing. But he goes, um... When he found out that I got a partial standing ovation, he goes, that almost makes me sad because we're not going to be able to work to get like, that means we're pretty much not going to be working together soon because you're going to be doing your own thing. And um, it was just a great time. And we really had a great weekend. And um, we we were actually in Bill's hometown. So he took me to like, 
his hometown pizza place, which was amazing. And then, like, taking me to all kinds of, like, it was just, like, all cool stuff. And he knows, like, I'm into, you know, food and good food. So he took me to, like, this homemade, like, this, like, farm where they make ice cream. It was amazing. It was just, we just had a great time. Just, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a little gluttony. Uh, we ate and, and we did it up. But New England was a blast. And um, truly, truly great. Now, the the, the question I got on, on Butterfly, which I want to... Uh, once again, Jeff K, man, from Scottsdale, Arizona, always coming out with, with questions. Uh, appreciate it, Jeff. And um, anytime I'm out there in Arizona, man, you want to come to a show, like I said, man, I, I'll get you passes. You're a, you're a loyal listener and, and uh, really appreciate it uh, at the Verzi Effect. We really do. Uh, it's amazing. So thank you. And your question was, what makes a great gig? You think it's more than just, it, it's more than just, because you were in music and you said it's more than just a great crowd. And it is. Uh, in your question, you made a good point. Sound is important. One thing that is very, very important to make a gig is um, the room itself, how high the ceiling is, especially for comedy. If you've got a gigantic warehouse with high ceilings, it's really not going to play well. So I think like a very, that's why some of the best comedy clubs in New York City, which are some of the best comedy clubs really in the country and the world, are just these small little places like the stand and the comedy cellar, just really low ceilings and, you know, just a little box and and a microphone with a good sound system. You got to have a good sound system. So all of that. Another thing that makes a good show is policing the room. Okay, by policing the room, you know, the three strike rule, if somebody acts like a dick, you know, as a, as a comedian, we'll destroy them. But if it gets to the point where they do it four or five times, and they make tables around them that paid money upset, they got to get the fuck out. It's a cancer, you got to cut it out and get them out. You know, that's definitely something that is so important. And some comedy clubs are awful at it. I've worked at clubs where they go, no, we like the interaction. We like the, we like the people. to. That's awful and that's an excuse. That's an excuse to just make money off of people that you want to keep coming back because some of the best clubs in New York, they don't tolerate it. There are clubs out here that if they see you drunk online, they'll be like, listen, we don't want you in the room. You know, we, we could tell you've been drinking. We don't want you in the room. Here's some free passes. Come to another show. We don't want you in there tonight. And then all of a sudden, the room gets a reputation of, no, this is for comedy purists. So what makes a great show in comedy, I would say, is a room that's known for great stand-up and, you know, really respecting the art. I remember performing in Kentucky one time, and it was comedy was secondary. They were still great. They still had a lot of fun, but you could tell comedy was second to drinking and a night out. That's when things could get a little rough or, or you know, get crazy. But um, sound system, room, size of the room, and really, it really does come down to whose room it is and who's running it. Because if the right people are running a comedy club, it's amazing always, and that's what people come to see. You know, it, 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 so many factors go into it. Lighting, when the show starts, making sure everybody's in their seats and ready. You know, so all of those things, you know. And, and then, let's be honest, there are some fucking disasters. I mean, I've done bar shows, TVs on, people getting served dinners. I've done shows with no microphone, like in the middle of a dining room when people didn't even want you there. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. So... All things that you got to do when you're coming up. But yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, you can't say one thing makes a great gig. I think so many factors into it, you know, do. Um, 
I mean, but then again, I remember one time I got hired and I was holding an empty Corona bottle in somebody's living room and I had grown adults sitting Indian style in a fucking thing. Adults sitting down the staircase, sitting on couches like they were at a comedy club. That's how much they were paying attention. It was a great time. You know, they paid me and I was just standing in front of their TV with an empty Corona bottle. And, and that worked. But it worked because, you know, you got to let people know, listen, this is a show, you know. This is a show. Um, so... That, I hope that answers the question, but yeah, I mean, so much goes into it. Uh, so much goes into it. And, uh, you know, real professionals get through it. You have a good time with it. You do whatever, but there's nothing like, there's nothing like being in a comedy club where they are there to laugh. They are there for the show. They are respectful to the act, and they listen. And, um, you know, when I say that and I think of road gigs, I think of the Washington, D.C. Improv. Just, and like, I mean, I've never done a gig where my setup and premise, they they were looking at my setup and premise like, like a medical student would watch a doctor do heart surgery. Like that's, they were just like, it was insane. You couldn't believe it. It was just like, oh my God, it was nuts. It's fucking all, it was awesome to be honest with you. I was just like, yo, these people are, these people are, yeah, it was great. So those are the best. Those are the best. And again, that's like wide, low ceilings. I think good sound system, wide and low ceilings is the is the be- makes for the best uh, gigs in stand up. Uh, okay, everybody. Well, you know this is uh, this is something I wanted to talk about on the podcast, and um, I am. I'm thrilled about this, and um, I announced it on Facebook, and I will announce, I'll announce it now, and, and um, if, you know, I was going to say, before I was going to talk about this, I was going to say, man, you know, a lot of younger or up-and-coming comedians should, should listen to this, but the more I think about it, I think anybody working hard at anything should listen to this, because um, it is the, the probably the greatest news you know, and one of the greatest things that could happen in in, in a in a comedian's career. But um, I found out about was it a, a week ago that I was um, I was chosen to perform in the Montreal Comedy Festival. And uh, for you people that don't know, the Montreal Comedy Festival and the Aspen Comedy Festival, uh, the HBO Aspen Comedy Festival, which uh, no longer exists, those were the two festivals where comedians worked so hard to get to. I mean, it was like they were the two biggest comedy festivals in the world. And I don't know if it was because of HBO or what was going on out there in Aspen, but that comedy festival no longer exists. And now it's the Montreal Comedy Festival. And um, it's just something that every comedian strives to get. It's uh, all industries out there. Um, Everybody in comedy is, you know, it, you know, works really hard to get there and all the agents and the networks and everybody, biggest names in comedy are out there for about a week and a half, two weeks in July. And uh, this was the third year in a row that I had auditioned and you always hear about people auditioning and stuff and, you know, taking a long time. And uh, I'm going to just be completely like this is, I mean, I couldn't talk about this before, but it was announced that I'm going and, you know, the lineups are announced for, for what I'm doing out there. And um you know, people close to me know what I was going through with this. I'll give a quick rundown of it, and um, and then I'll explain. Um, 
just everything, you know, the emotions and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if the next five, 10 minutes of this is going to be super funny, but, uh, hopefully it's, uh, motivational and, and inspirational because, um, I got to tell you, it was, it, it was, it was poetic. It was justice. It was great. Not even justice. I don't even know what to say. It was just fucking awesome. What, what happened was, uh, three, two years ago, not yet, yeah, not including this year, I went out and like an idiot, and I talked about it on the show, I wasn't prepared. I was on the West Side Highway 10 minutes to the gig, and I'm like, what should I open with? Should I do this? And that was stupid. And they were like, yeah, you know, he might not be ready. And that killed me to hear because probably if I got my shit together, they would have seen something different. So I had to sit on that for a year. And then last year I got in front of them, and I had an amazing first audition. And then the second audition, they put me in an alternative room, and um, it was a decent set, but it was mediocre, and the way I was brought on stage was kind of weird, and I kind of made a comment about how I was brought on stage, and that took a minute to get back, and, and it just didn't kind of go the way that I wanted it to after having such an amazing and explosive first audition. So I had to wait, and I waited, and I really you know, thought that there was a chance that I was going to get it. And I was performing in San Antonio, and I got the call um, that, or, or, or no, I'm sorry, I got the reason why but then, but I knew, I was told that I wasn't going to get it, and I really didn't have an answer why, and I was killing my managers, I was really upset, I was like, why, you know, you got, you got to tell me why, and they're like, well, you know, we don't know, there's no rhyme or reason, and I'm like, no, I need to know, and I, I was a pain in the ass, and that, that, you know, my managers and I were joking last night, I'm like one of the easiest clients they have, but come like June or July, when it comes to Montreal, like I really, you know, it was just something that I really worked for, and I didn't get it, and I sat on that for a year. And this year, I auditioned the first time. I had a really good set. Uh, they were like, we definitely want to see Paul again. I got the email. Congratulations, you're going to the to the final audition. And I go to the final audition. And I talked about it on the show. I went 10th out of 10. And I had the set of the night. They were using me as an example of what to do when the crowd's not great, just to stay like a professional and do that. And they were like, it was amazing. And me and my manager went out and celebrated. Comedians were congratulating me. And it was amazing. And I was flying high. And I'm like, I'm going to get Montreal. And I find out a couple of weeks later, my managers call me in and they look, som they, they, not somber, but they just were like, man, um, here's the news, you know, you're basically like, it's just, it's a tough year and they, they, they you're not, you're not in and they, 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 they know you did good, but like, they just, they, you, they can't get you in this year and, you know, but they, they like you and this and that and I'm just, I'm dying inside, I'm dying inside. And, um, you know, but no, but they like you and they like what you're doing and they see how, you know, you know, good you are and they, they, they want you to do this. And, and I'm just like, yeah, but if they really, you know, and all you think as a performer is, and I'm not saying that's not true because I've learned that there's nothing personal in this. There really isn't. And it's hard for people to, you know, to, to separate that, but there really isn't anything personal, but you don't, but it's personal to you. 
because you're the one working hard. You're the one going on the road. You're the one sitting up all night, you know, writing jokes and, and doing this and, and, and making sure your website is right and, and, and doing everything that you need to be doing. You're doing that and you're living that. You're you're the one who's distracted even when people that love you are around and you're, you're trying to give the attention but you're, you're so focused on, on your goals and achieving it, you know. So it does feel personal. And... I just had to sit on it and, you know, and I started to, you know, know, I mean, without knowing names, I started to know comedians were getting the, the go ahead and the yeses and, uh, and it was just like, you know what, man, they'll look at you next year. They know how good you did. And, and I was, I'm not going to lie. It was, you know, my close friends know, know what I went through and my family knows what I went through. Um, you know, my wife knows that I was, I was, you know, I was hurt. And um, it was just really tough. It was tough because I was doing well. Everywhere I was going was, was you know, into me. And I felt like I felt like it was time. I knew it was time, you know, knowing you had the set of the night and knowing that they know and they're just, you know, and they like you. And, and I knew they liked me. So that was also hard. And I just had to just go, man, you know, maybe one of these years, I don't know what it's going to take. And I would call friends and people that I cared about and go, man, you know, I feel like, I feel like this is the first time. And I know that this isn't fair. I, I we talked about it before that, that not only is, does the business not owe you anything, life doesn't owe you anything. You're not owed anything in this life, but it was the first time I was like, man, I deserve this. Like, this is the first time the real, true, unfair politics of this game or whatever it is is hitting me. And it hurts and it sucks. And I, I know that I did well. And and I understand that they're good dudes that run it. And I understand that they do probably like me. So I just need to keep getting in front of people and, and eventually your time is going to come. That's what you got to tell yourself. You know? You know, and that's what I did. That's 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 what I did. You know, I just was like, all right, you know, you just got to eventually, what are you going to do? You know, that's it. You just got to keep going and you got to keep getting better. And um, I remember going into the city and going in after that and knowing I wasn't getting it and, and, and knowing who they probably were going to give it to and stuff. And I'd go in and I always never let it affect me on stage right afterwards. Um, I'd go in and I, I would, you know, do everything I can to kill and smash and be even more motivated. But then you'd leave and you'd be like, man, you have that feeling. And it was, it's that feeling that, that, and I remember Dane Cook saying this a while ago and it's something that stuck is just like, you feel like you're, you're not invited to the party. I was like, man, why are they not, they don't like me. Like why man, you know, like, I don't understand. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm killing, you know, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm taking chances, I'm getting better. You know, what really hurt me was after that, comedians were coming up to me, big name comedians were going, oh, dude, you got to tell me what happened with Montreal, man. They, I heard great things and, and everybody, and I was like, man. And then, you know, and um, I remember on 4th of July, I had such a great time with my uh, wife's family. And we were hanging out and we were swimming in the pool and we are just having a great time. And I wasn't thinking about business. And then just real quickly it came across, wow, you know, Montreal's in a few weeks and, um, you know, I'm not going. And I just kind of for a second just was like, damn. And it just, it sucked. It just sucked. And then, then I just said, you know what, you're not going to think about it anymore. You know, you're going to go when it's your time. 
but I just felt, man, I just felt this was the year and I deserved it. And, um, you know, sure enough, everybody, um, I got a text message from my manager saying that Just For Last wanted to know if I was available, you know, this next week because they, they want me for the festival. They found a way, they found shows, they want me on, they want me there, and they said that I deserve to be there. And they, you know, and I think that they were thinking about it maybe the way that I was, and they and they did it, and they wanted me there, and they picked me to be there. And I got to tell you, it was one of the, truly one of the most I didn't even know what to think. I, I was just, you know, we're going through so much here. We're so exhausted and this is so crazy. We're moving. We got two little ones. You know, I'm running around doing shows every night. My poor wife sometimes must feel like a, you know, like a single mother while I'm doing this. And and I just, it was just so great to call her up and to be like, I, I called her up and, you know, she was in a meeting with one of the people that work under her. My wife is very successful at what she does as well, and, and she's, you know, and she's great. And, you know, she she was apparently with a client, and I just called her up, and I was like, you know, babe, I got Montreal. And in front of the client, while she's on the phone with me, she goes, get the fuck out of here. And, you know, and she was, and the cool thing about my wife is she was like, you know, Paul was so great about it and amazing about it is that, they knew you deserved it. You did such a good job. They did what they can to get you in there, and they and then and I really and I'm not saying this because um, I got it because I know that this is going to sound easy to say, but I really commend the Montreal Comedy Festival for doing the right thing by people that deserve to be there, and they really go out of their way to try to do that. And it was the first time I was like, wow, this is really unfair and this really is going to sting and I don't know what to think and what do I think about going out and auditioning next year? And like they came through and did the right thing and I'll never ever forget that. And it's just, it's an accolade that you want as a comedian so bad. I didn't care about the exposure as much as people. I didn't care, oh, maybe you'll go there and you'll get this. You know, the way my thought process is, is I'm just going to put my head down in this game and just do everything I'm going to do anyway. You know, I'm going to try to get all these things anyway. Like, for me, it was being chosen to take part in the biggest and best comedy festival with the best comedians in the world. That's what it meant for, that's what it meant to me. And I want everybody listening to this to understand something right now because I was told this by great comedians. I remember Bill Burr told me this and so many other comedians told me this. When you just get undeniable where they can't say no, that's what you do. Okay? You know, if you don't have a, a look or if, you don't ha- if you're not castable or if, you, if, if they're looking for a weird guy that year and you're not a weird guy or if they're looking for this that year and you're not that or if they're looking for all of that shit, it doesn't matter. You get so fucking good, they got to go, oh my God, we got to find, and, and I was told that years ago and I felt like that's what happened and it was truly one of the most amazing feelings I had. Um... I could have got emotional. I didn't. I didn't because I look at it like this is a business trip and I have to go there and take care of business while I'm out there. You know, I'm not just, you know, I, I'm not treating this as, I'm not treating this as, oh, you know, this is going, you know, I'm just so happy to be to the first Super Bowl or like I'm treating this as if, you know, I'm treated as if I'm like the New England Patriots going the third time. Like this is a business trip. I want to go out there and I want to make an impression. I want to kill crowds out there. And, you know, if people see me, they see me. But I just want to go and give people my comedy and give them me and have fun doing it. But it um, it felt really, really good. And um, I, I couldn't be more thankful. I couldn't be more humbled. And I couldn't be more excited. And um, 
is, is hard work paid off and hard work was recognized and deserving something came through when sometimes it doesn't. So if you're one of those people that feel like, man, it's never going to happen to me and they're not looking for me, fuck that. I was that. I was that. Because I'm out here in New York and I see. And I was, you know, people telling me, yeah, no, no, but it doesn't matter how funny you are because they just want alternative. Or, oh, no, they, they just want this. Or, oh, they just want young. Or they, no. You get in front of these people and you just be funny as hell to the point where they go, wow, that person is funny. Wow, I want them on my festival, at my festival. That's the deal. And, and, um, it's amazing, and I want to share that with my listeners and all you guys because you guys have heard me talk about going on auditions and having big auditions and, and doing all the things that I do, and, um, you know, and I know it sounds like I should have just like fucking popped the bottle and went nuts and went crazy, and I didn't. I just kind of just sat there and I smiled. I had a moment where I just kind of walked away alone and like, remember that scene in Moneyball where Brad Pitt like they win the game and he kind of just put his head down. Like I just had this moment where I was just like, oh my God, like they gave it to me because I earned it. I felt like I really earned it, you know, and it was just, it was awesome. So, you know, keep writing and keep getting on stage and make sure when you get in front of these people or any other festival or industry, you just make sure they have no choice but to raise their eyebrow and go, wow, that was good. That was funny. If you do that, you can't lose. You can't. Because even if they didn't pick, because I knew that I deserved this, even if they didn't, but the fact that they did was just amazing, and it was such like, it was redemption from last year, and I just kept at it, and um, you can too, in anything that you do in life, you know, I I know um, I'm not sitting here being incredibly funny, but you know, sometimes it's not always about that, sometimes it's about, you know, talking about, you know, at the end of the day, we all strive for something, we all want something. You know, we all want to be a, we all want to be, we all want to be everything that we can or everything that we think we can. And, you know, nobody's going to believe in you more than you. And when you start to see that come to fruition and it starts paying off, it's great. So whatever you're doing, man, just keep going, just keep going and don't stop it. Um, And I know that shit sounds corny and like a Hollywood movie, but I'm, I'm telling you, I remember one time. And forgive me if I talked about this in an earlier show, but I remember I was a little kid and Russell Crowe won an Oscar and he got up there and when he is his, his acceptance speech for the Oscar and I was younger and, and he, I was just watching and he goes, guys, if I can be up here, anybody can be. If I can be standing up here doing this, anybody could be. And that stuck with me. And, you know, it, it's just a matter of, you know, just, just getting the job done, putting the work in. And being, you know, let's be honest, incredibly funny. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, but I, I wanted to share that, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm flying out of here on Wednesday, and um, I was at the passport place today, so I couldn't even really. That's another thing. So when I found this news out, the next day I'm going out to open for Burr. So and I don't have a passport. So I know that I only have 48 hours to go. So I went to the passport place today. I had to get all these documents. I had to get copies of my license front and back. I had to get the form, like the application. I had to get my birth certificate. I had to bring a credit card. I had to bring all this shit with me. And I got there at 11.30 today and I walked out with a passport. I had to bring my itinerary so they know that I need to leave. And I walked out 
with all of that stuff and um I, I walked out with everything I needed at five o'clock. I was there from eleven thirty to five PM. I had to go out of the building three times and keep checking in through the metal detector, taking my belt off three times to put seven dollars a pop in the meter. Only to go out one time and see a ticket, which didn't make sense because I had money in the meter, and the ticket was because my inspection was up up a week ago. So it was brutal. But you know what, everybody? I got my passport, <laughs> so um, I will be I will be going to Canada for about nine days. My and it's nice because uh, my management has a bunch of clients going out there. All my managers are going to be out there. We're all going to be out there together, and it's it's amazing. So, um, you know, and one thing that I feel, I know, is this podcast has helped me on stage. Comedians were saying, well, yeah, when you do your podcast, you'll see you'll get better. And the way that I could sit here and riff to you guys and bullshit and sometimes be goofy and just talk and go into the stupid shit that I do... That has allowed me on stage over the course of the last couple, you know, past couple years to just do it and make it better. And those people were right. And, um, you know, doing the Verzi effect and sharing it with you and more importantly, you guys listening has given me an opportunity. And that has ultimately helped me get to my goal. So all of it comes together. And so I thank you. I thank you guys for listening to this shit and, and letting me grow and get better. It's, uh, it's truly awesome. So, uh, you know. We did well. I did it because I'm the fucking one on stage. So don't don't get cocky, listeners. But thank you for helping me. <laughs> uh, wow, 41 minutes. This is the uh, motivational. This is the inspirational Versi Effect podcast. Just said a Versi Effect podcast show episode 118. Um. All right, everybody. What do you think, George Zimmerman? George Zimmerman, just a fat, bloated... Here's the thing. I'm disgusted with the fact that it's political. I'm disgusted with it. Because it shouldn't be. It should be what's right. But the media makes it about politics. Of course the media is going to make it about race. If this happened to two white guys or if this was two black guys, it would not be... It would not be that. It would be, oh, one white guy saw another white guy. One guy was trying to get tough. They fought. The one guy killed him, and that's it. But that's not. and That's not the case here. You know, it's just not. And it's sad, and it sucks. And one of the best things I heard about this was, uh, was it Carlos? Carlos Garcia? I think it was Carlos Garcia. I think it was. Carlos, if you're listening to this, man, it was you who I saw this on Facebook, and it was the best thing that I heard. Um, and he said, whether you're guilty or innocent of, of what happened, the crime, the bottom line is you were told to stay in your car and failing to do that was a result of loss of life. And that needs to be punished. That's ridiculous. And I'll tell you something. If you guys are sitting there going, well, you know, that means, uh, yeah, well, Verzi's probably a fucked up bad. Verzi's probably a, a right wing. Very, yeah, even though he says he's independent, he's right wing. No. I'm a registered independent. Now, I lean right on some things. I think people should own guns if they want to. I think that, you know, 
people who make more money shouldn't be taxed more. I do believe in that. I've always believed in that. I don't believe that somebody who owns a small business and it grows to be huge should pay more taxes because somebody else didn't do that. That's what I believe. But I'm an independent and I truly believe that this Zimmerman guy, I don't know the details. None of us were there. None of us actually saw what happened. So we could sit there and act like these people outraged and protesting. They weren't there. But this, here's the bottom line. The bottom fucking line is this. This guy was told to basically stand down and stay in your car, and he didn't. He looked for something, and something bad happened. That's what happened. So, you know, so what, so what, nothing for that? I don't know. That's how I look at it. You can't just you can't just be told something by authorities and then not do it and then somebody dies. And you're like, ah, well, you know, I just had a fear. You know, it's like, well, you know. And I, you know, I think his appearance now is truly. I think his appearance now is definitely was, you know, the defense made him do. Fatten him up, give him hair. When the crime was committed, he was skinnier. He had a shaved head. He kind of looked more. You notice that now he's like fat. He's got a little hair. It's 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 you know it's combed to the side. You know now he looks like a respectful Mexican. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding, Spaniards. Anyways, remember that scene in Along Came Polly? I saw you you know dancing with that Spaniard, and I'm just gonna leave. And she goes, first of all, he's Cuban. I let, what a funny, funny movie that was. But the media does this, man. The media just does this. It's just, it's never, anytime there's a crime and it involves, you know, different races, it just turns into this. Nobody talks about what's right. Nobody talks about what it should be. It just turns into political wars. And it's just so stupid, you know. But this guy, really, this guy just walking out of there after not listening, it, it really is fucked up. It is. I, I, I don't understand why nobody can just be like, yeah, why in this guy? Like, I don't know what the jury was thinking. Like, well, wait a minute. You were told not to. And first of all, is does Florida's got a rule about like you could people could do like citizens arrest? Florida, of all places, is one of the most fucked up shithole, and I'm sorry if you're from Florida listening to this, it is some of the most white trash shithole, okay, Florida, shithole, dummy, murderous, awful crime place in the country, that's what it is, okay, and that's why God brings hurricanes there, no, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> it sounds funny, okay, to wash away the awfulness. No, here's the thing. And I'm sorry if you're listening and you like you lost some shit because of hurricane. I'm fucking. I'm, jo- I'm half joking around. I'm actually fully joking around, but it, it it might make sense as I talked about it. This is the awful things, the awful murders. It's always something crazy in Florida. That's why people joke. There's something in the water. It's always a, not just the Casey Anthony thing. Whatever. So many awful crimes and weird things have happened in that state. Look it up. Okay, so the fact that that goes on and then these, yeah, maybe it's like the, 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 maybe it's the 
fucking higher ups in Florida. Maybe it's the, the the people that are in office in Florida, have making rules and laws that people can just be like vigilantes walking around. Some dude following some dude. Yeah, I don't like what he's doing. It's like what was he doing? Nothing. It's it's stupid. It's stupid, and and it really is frustrating and annoying. And I didn't know much about it, but the more I think about it, I'm just like you were told. Okay, you're not Spider-Man. You know, what are you? Just some dude walking around, like, thinking you're a neighborhood watch. Are you kidding me? What is this, a movie? It's, a, it's, it's like what Florence would say, that joke. It's a fucking joke. Stay in the car. Go get something to eat. What are you fighting for? It's fucking unreal. Stupid. And a kid lost his life, and now there's an outrage, and people are protesting in New York City. And to be honest, it's going to be traffic for me. That's what it's all comes down. It's going to be traffic for me, everybody. Oh, and this is brings me to unacceptable for the week. Okay, unacceptable for the week is my drive to Cape Cod. Okay, all the lane merges and the construction during the day. Unacceptable. Okay, do it at night. Don't do it at three o'clock in the afternoon. When I'm trying to get to a gig, people are trying to come home from work, and if I gotta see some fat fuck in an orange cap with the sun beating down on me, it's ridiculous. I know these guys make good money; they're in the union. Do it at night. Do it from like midnight to four, when not too many people are on the road. You don't do it when everybody's going somewhere, just because you need to have hour normal hours. It's bullshit, unacceptable. Left lane merge, yeah, left lane merge to do this, left lane merge to get me late, left left lane merge to, for fucking dumb tourists, left left lane merge, we, we left lane merge because people are going here, it can't be normal, there's too many fucking people, all these lane merges and one lane this and one lane that and construction here, it's stupid, unacceptable, stop it. With all the construction that they do, how about they get two new lanes so there's five lanes, how about that? Okay, I don't give a shit about the forest to the right and the left of the highway. Wipe some of it out and get some fucking highway going here. Got to sit there and go in two lanes to Cape Cod on a Friday when all these drunk assholes want to get out there. It's stupid. Unacceptable for the week. It's unacceptable. Okay, just, just do it at night. Have different shifts, whatever you have to do. All they do is work, work, work. Nothing gets done. Have you ever noticed that? Nothing gets done. There's no new pavement shit. There's just some truck drilling. I swear, it's just, it's like it's just... You just see some guy... Yeah, go around, go around slow. Yeah, what's this going to look like next week? It's going to look like the same shit, just with shit covered over the mistake you just made. Stop it. It's unacceptable. I can't stand the traffic. I can't stand it. Why are you doing construction on a Friday afternoon when people are going? Make it easy for people. Do it at night. Do it Sunday night. Get your fat ass over there and do it. Don't just sit there. Fucking walk. Hey, yeah, Bob, get over here. Yeah, block the thing off so we can ruin everybody's day. Yeah, we're going to let all these tourist assholes take 15 hours to go 120 miles. Unacceptable. That's unacceptable for the week. All fuck. I was in the car for five and a half hours. Fine. I left at two o'clock. Two o'clock to get to an eight o'clock gig, and I got there at seven forty-seven. 
because there's two there's construction and they're doing lane merges on a two lane road. Unacceptable. Oh my god, it's so annoying. It's so is traffic ever gonna end? Are they ever gonna stop doing construction? There needs to be a catastrophe. There's too many people. I, and I hope to God me and my family don't fall in that. But you know what? There needs something bad needs to happen. There's too many people. There's seven billion people on earth. It's just it's, it's ridiculous now. You can't drive anywhere. You have to leave Thursday to be able to like be somewhere decent time Friday to go down south. It sucks. Or by any anywhere by the water, I should say. Not just south. Now here's what we're gonna do. Versi Effect Podcast is going to do a, a contest. And um, I'm just going to kind of give you the gist. We're going to do We're going to start it next week. But what I want to do with Butterfly Radio is I want to do an Unacceptable for the Week contest where I want the Unacceptable for the Week segment of the show to be in the listeners' hands and the listeners, m- more importantly, on Butterfly. And we're going to do a contest where you put them in and then the winner is going to get on the show and get prizes cash prizes, maybe some movie tickets, stuff like that. I am going to explain the rules and all of that next week. But please, um, if you listen, if you're on Butterfly Radio, um, you're going to be a part of this even more. If you're not, please download the app and do it because we're going to do a fun contest and uh, it's going to result in the Verzi Effect podcast sending you some stuff, uh, some prizes, and uh, it's going to be really fun, fun interaction and um, listening to you guys rant and riff about unacceptable for the week instead of the stuff that bothered me for the week i'd love to hear from some other people so that's what we're going to do uh i hope you're into it uh jeff from scottsdale you're always sending stuff uh we have a few other people on there that come we're really trying to get more and more people on butterfly so do it i'm going to tell you how to do it and um you know how it's going to go down and it's going to be fun. So uh, start thinking of some unacceptables, and um, I will give you the uh, details next week. But it does require you to have Butterfly Radio, so please get that. All right. So that's unacceptable. I did see a movie this week, everybody. I went to support my good friend Bill Burr, who was in The Heat with Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. And I went in thinking I was going to enjoy Bill and just enjoy seeing somebody who's been, you know, a mentor to me and and one of my best friends and just support him and 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 you know know that he was going to be fucking hilarious but uh the movie ended up being hilarious. Melissa McCarthy absolutely stole the show. She's a monster. She killed it. I thought Sandra Bullock had funny lines. I just thought it was funny. The ending you know got a little like of course, you know, in movies like that they're going to get into trouble and then get out of it. And it's really hard to write a movie like that and not have that happen. But I thought the writing was good. As a matter of fact, I got a chance to uh, meet the writer, uh, Katie DePole, and um, uh, she was she was so cool. And I thought that she had some really good callbacks in it. And I thought it was I thought it was well written. I thought it was funny, and um, really funny scenes. It's filthy, it's dirty, but awesome. And uh, go and support it. It's and and it was genuinely like la- I laughed out loud in the theater six times. There's just outrageous lines. Over the top anger, over the top like cursing and being pissed, but in a really funny way. And um, I enjoyed it. So it's just one of those comedies where it's a, it's a good, have a good time, laugh. I liked it. I liked it. So uh, check out The Heat. I, I recommend it. I give it, 
you know, I wasn't. It wasn't the funniest movie I've ever seen. It wasn't like, oh my God, blew me away. But f- really solid, solid, funny comedy that you'll thoroughly enjoy. And Burke killed it in it, man. He had a real great scene in it. So check it out. And uh, nothing really going on in sports. It's just a weird time for sports. Like sports gets really good. Like come October, I I don't know. You know, like I didn't even watch the home run derby tonight. I didn't watch anything really. I just was just just kind of sitting here at my mom's with the kids. We uh, had the moving company come today. Our condo is completely empty. Everything is in storage. We have to tie up a couple of loose ends tomorrow, and then we will be living with family for a couple of weeks, and then we move into our home. What's going to be really hard is that I'm going to be in Canada, um, and it hurts me that I'm not going to be able to help as much. But I will be... uh, I will be doing, you know, doing my thing and, and, you know, come back and help out. But, you know, I, I you know, you feel bad. You're just like, shit, I'm going to be eating fucking cheese fries while everybody's packing. <laughs> I'm going to be eating, you know, pastrami and roast beef sandwiches at Swartz's in uh, Montreal. They got a place in Montreal called Expectations. Get unbelievable eggs benedict. Unbelievable, great stuff there. That protein, that the 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 it's the French fries with the I don't know what is it like the the gravy and the and the certain cheese. The oh man, yeah, it's gonna be tough to not put some weight back on, but I'm trying to do that. It didn't help going eating ice cream and pizza with Burr either. But we uh, we had to do it. We had a great time doing it, and I'm gonna make sure that. Cause you know I don't want to have a good set and then go drink and then have a good and just go. Dr- I don't want to do that. I don't want to. Dr- I want to really, cause it's hard, man. That's one thing comedy does. If you like are truly enjoying yourself, sit down with like a whiskey on the rocks. It's so fun afterwards, and it just adds up. It makes you feel like shit. You ever look at yourself in the mirror and when you're thin and looking good, you actually feel like. You feel you're a better person, and then you look at yourself when you gain a little weight, and you're just you're like, look, I am a fat fuck. Like if a truck hit me right now, it wouldn't matter as much as if it hit me when I was skinny. <laughs> I swear, to God, I, th- I thought of that. Like I remember looking at myself, and I was like, Oh, look at my head and my neck. You fat bloated asshole. If a truck just like knock the shit out of you right now you know you'd almost be like ah oh, look at that fat and then all of a sudden you lose weight and you're like nah man I'm doing good I'm healthy you know that would be a tragedy if a truck hit me it's just amazing how like the self how you can you know just look at yourself but I'm trying man cause I'm like I'm like one of these guys that I can gain it and and lose it so quick so you ever wanna feel awful about yourself just go and throw down at McDonald's just once just throw down at McDonald's. Get the fries, get the Big Mac, get the soda, get the ice cream, apple pie, and just sit there and walk out of there with your head down feeling suicidal. It's awful. You can't do it. I'm trying to eat organic shit now. Like organic drinks and organic. I had like this wrap in the city today next to the passport place because I was starving and I, Lord knows I had 15 hours to wait. And I got like this organic 
spicy shrimp wrap and like everything was made with all natural stuff and you know it was good i was just starving afterwards <laughs> everything you eat good you're never you never you know for five bucks you feel like you ate a wolf and it, 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 you know you're just satisfied and for 20 you tasted something great and delicious and you just have that clean i'm still starving feel Oh, man. What are you going to do, everybody? Nothing going on in sports. I haven't been watching. What, are you, what am I watching? There's nothing. We got two months, two months to the NFL. That's what I'm looking for. Was it eight weeks now? Yeah, eight weeks. I think. Hold on. Oh, yeah, about eight weeks to the NFL. Seven, maybe. And that's going to be cool. Go G-Men, right? Go G-Men. And uh, now we'll do some plugs. Here are my plugs, everybody. I will be in Montreal, Canada from Wednesday, July 17th, performing to July 24th. Um, I will be out there doing the relationship show. The lineup is me, Robert Kelly, Tom Papa, uh, Bob Marley, Deborah, I can't pronounce her name, DeGrazi, the Italian girl, and... Um, and yeah, and Godfrey is is hosting it. Um, it's gonna be amazing. We're doing that for a week. Then I'm actually staying out there for a few days uh, with my managers. Might get on some other shows, but I will be out there from the 17th to basically I come back on the 28th. So 10 days, I'm gonna be gone. I'm gonna be out there. I'm not gonna be doing any shows in the states, but uh, when my August dates uh, in the states come about, I will definitely, obviously, post them on the website and do all that stuff. And that's, you know, um, look, I don't know if I'm going to be, I know, I know as of now, I don't think anything has changed. No, I will be going, I will be doing Magoobies with Joe Matarese. We're going to be going out there. We were supposed to do it like a couple years in a row. It never worked out. Uh, but the first weekend of September, I will be in Baltimore and, uh, me and Matarese will be doing, uh, Magoobies out there. I'm going to try to hit up a baseball game if we can too because it's in the season so uh that's the one road thing that i know and other than that it'll probably be uh, when i get back it'll be august i'm moving into the new house and i'm gonna be doing a bunch of spots in the city uh some of you know um the some of the bill burr tour dates did get canceled because um of of some business stuff going on with Bill, so uh, they're going to be rescheduled, and uh, I don't know which ones I'm going to be on or which ones I'm not going to be on. But just so you know, um, I went as soon as I know, I will post. You know, whichever because we were supposed to go on tour from the 24th, I believe, to the to the second or third of August, doing all those uh, cities that I mentioned. But now that's not happening. But those, some of those dates are staying, and I don't know where I'm going to be as far as opening for him. So I will definitely, definitely let you know. So all I need you guys to do is download Butterfly Radio and get ready to take part in this contest, Unacceptable for the Week, because I want to hear your hilarious rants and all of the shit that you find unacceptable. I want to hear it on the thing, and then we're going to play it on the show. I'm going to pick a winner of the one that I think is the funniest one and the funniest one. I'm going to, you know, we're going to do some fun stuff, send you maybe some movie tickets, a couple tickets to the movie theater, maybe even have you review the movie 
and and put your review on so you guys could talk about movies and just get you guys interactive more um, with the show. That's what I want to do moving forward with the show. Uh, I love the format of the show, how we talk about sports and, you know, all this stuff and, and, and movies and, you know, talk comedy and, and certain things that are going on. But I, I moving forward, I want to get uh, my listeners more involved. Because like everything else, the Verzi effect is evolving, people. It is evolving into a monster. Okay, so please think of those. And I know you guys are going to have some hilarious stuff. Because let's be honest, you guys have good taste in comedy. So that's it, everybody. I guess the theme of this one is just, just keep going, man. Good things will happen. You know... Do me a favor. Every time you drive past, you're driving and you see traffic workers or, or, or you see construction workers causing traffic, I should say, just go do it at night. Do it at night. TVE. Do it at night. TVE. These guys are like, what the fuck is it? What does that mean? So that's it, everybody. That's the show. Go see the heat. And uh, until episode 19, I'm out of here. Thank you all for listening. I am going to try to do episode 119 in Canada. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I don't know, uh, you know, if the internet's going to cost me fucking $20 a minute. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm sure they have Wi-Fi um, and in the rooms, but I don't know what my access is going to be like. I don't know what the uploading is going to be like and all that stuff. So I will definitely try to do it. And if I can do it from there, um, I will obviously have a, a special guest because there's going to be amazing comedians out there. Um, all the, the best comedians, uh, you know, th that I'm friends with, I would love to get on the show. So hopefully that can happen. I don't think it'll be a problem, but I don't want to guarantee or promise it. So um, I will post on Twitter and I will post on Facebook when the episode 119 is coming out. Okay, and when it does after that, we will get, get involved with this contest that I want to do. All right, so download the app. You guys are awesome. My name is Paul Verzi. This has been episode 118. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for all your support, and until 119, I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you. <laughs>